for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Thank, um, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to sit down and chat with you. I know it's been a, we've been kind of going back and forth for a while, trying to get something set up. And then I finally got myself into the 21st century and was like, hey, let's start doing <laughs> Skype interviews, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Great idea. So sitting here with Alicia Peru, you're from Boise, Boise correct? I'm actually originally from Tucson, Arizona, okay. but I'm currently located in the Treasure Valley area of okay. Idaho. Right. Um, and what, how did you go, or what brought you to Idaho? How did you kind of move out there? Yeah, so um, actually half of my family lives up here, um, and I had always just kind of wanted to get out of the desert for a while and go on my own little adventure, and I also decided that I wanted to go to college. So I figured a great time to get away from home would just to um, be to go to college out of state. So that's oh. how I ended up up here. Oh, wow. Um, and then what kind of got you into music? Yeah, so I, I've been playing music for really as long as I can remember. I used to have one of those little rainbow xylophones. Mm -hmm. I was a little baby and I used to play that. I also had a little rainbow piano and I would learn all the different songs in those little books that came with them. Mm -hmm. And um, it started, it really started though, when my mother actually purchased a piano and I was four years old and I just walked over to it. I was just as tall as the keys were. My head came up to where oh. the keys were at, but I started playing My Heart Will Go On from the Titanic oh. by ear. And so at that point, my mom said, hey, do you want to take piano lessons? And I said, sure. And so I learned how to read music before words. And so that's really an interesting fact about me because music is literally my native language. And so I think to this day, that's kind of why I'm able to communicate so well through music. You know, I'd be playing music as a little toddler. My legs would be dangling when I was just sitting on the piano bench and my mom would have to tell me what the name of the song was because <laughs> I could read the, the music, but I couldn't read the words. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. That's and a... then good. Yeah. And then, and then from there, um, I actually got into singing by singing opera when I was about eight years old. I'm not really sure why opera is what I initially went towards. I think some of it has to do with the phantom of the opera. I had heard the music from that play and from that movie and I think that kind of drew me in and so I started singing opera in some competitions in Tucson um, I ended up winning audience favorite in something called Tucson Idol <laughs> when I was eight or nine years old and then from there I just kind of started to expand my genres I started to write music when I was 14 um, I just kind of grew from there nice and I, I was kind of looking through your Facebook and your uh, website before you jumped on here and you know what's what's the um, big noise it said that you're a big noise now alumni I wasn't quite sure what that was I 
what, what was yeah so that's a management company okay um i know they've managed christina aguilera red hot chili peppers there's some other okay. kind of well-known names in there um so that's just someone that i worked with for a while when i was younger okay and then you, you it also said that you're uh were you nominated for a grammy or am i just because it's you're a two-time official grammy so i was artist. on the official grammy ballot oh okay twice. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so you and, were like a voting mm-hmm. member of the... No, uh, two of my songs actually made it onto the official Grammy ballot. Oh, um, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's... Yeah. Gotcha. I, sorry, I'm still trying to learn a lot of the uh, ins and outs of the industry. And... <laughs> gotcha. No, you're, you're totally fine. And those are songs that I wrote back when I was 14 and 15, actually. Okay. Um I both wrote and produced those. So that was definitely a cool thing to um, just even get to be on that ballot, honestly. (laughs) And uh, how did that really help your music career? Like, I mean, obviously it it had to have give it a, give it a nice little boost, but how did that set you up for where you are now? Um, I think honestly for independent musicians, a lot of it is just kind of building our resume per se um, I think it helps give a lot of credibility, especially when we apply for bigger festivals and things like that, to be able to, um, you know, say that, that that's something that we have received. Um, and then in general, I think it's just kind of a good confidence boost just to know that my songs do have that kind of radio potential to them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then you'd kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier um, that you do your you have your own solo project, but you also uh, work with the band. Um, mm-hmm. So how, how do you, how are you able to balance both? Cause I, I know there's a lot of musicians that they have like the solo project and then the, they have like a band that they play with. How, how, mm-hmm. how do you find time to balance both of them? Cause you seem pretty active as both of mm-hmm. them. Yeah. um, Well, it's actually something I kind of had to figure out how to do for a long time. I thought that I kind of just had to pick one path and stick with it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I I feel like I could either be a solo artist or I could be a band, but in that I couldn't really pursue both at the same time. And I was kind of torn in some ways um, because I do love doing my solo stuff. It allows me a type of freedom that you just don't have with a band to really express yourself however you feel necessary at whatever point in time you're at. But at the same time, uh, deep down, I'm really kind of a rocker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my favorite shows are definitely rock oriented. That's what I listen to is rock, you know, 95% of the time. And so I was really torn. I didn't know kind of which one to choose. Um, but I have a very wise, um, counselor he's actually a professor at my university mm-hmm. who told me he said you know you know for a lot of musicians the way that they're able to make a living doing that is by keeping a very broad horizon you know he mm-hmm. said you'll have musicians who you know they're in a solo project they're in a jazz band they're in a rock band they do studio work they write songs for people you know he said that's kind of how you can make that income work sometimes mm-hmm. and that really opened my eyes and I realized that I did have the ability to do both. And I'm really, really glad that I'm doing both right now because again, it gives me a very broad genre spectrum. You know, I can mm-hmm. 
go and rock out, you know, hardcore one night and the next night I can just kind of lock myself in a practice room for a while, just my piano and I and kind of let my emotions out. Um, so I think it's, it's not super difficult to, to balance those two if they're both something that a musician really enjoys doing. Um, I think for me, the season that I just got done going through was learning how to balance work, meaning my music, mm-hmm. um, with my relationships and my oh. family life. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially, um, we're very passionate about what we do, right? You know, yep. we wouldn't, yep. we wouldn't be, you know, doing this type of career that brings in so little income sometimes, as you know, if it weren't something that we were truly passionate about in our hearts. And so I went through a season, um, it was probably near the end of last year where I was kind of starting to fall into a bit of a workaholic mode. Mm-hmm. My planners would be completely just chock full of, you know, all these different daily tasks to complete. Yep. And I would just get in this work mode and it was very, very difficult to pull myself out of it. You know, I'd go to spend time with someone after I had been working on a project and it would take me sometimes or an hour or two just to mentally and emotionally switch over from this high adrenaline music mode to the mode of, hey, you know, I want to like enjoy spending time with this person. Yep. And I realized that, you know, we can never place music or what we do above family or above mm. relationships. And so I've kind of. I finally kind of found that balance um, of just what's, what's really important. And the fact that, you know, the, the people, the people that are in the music, the people that are around the music, the people that are in the scene, the people that we meet on tour and it shows like, you know, that is more important than the music itself. Yep. Yep. I, I, I'm unfortunately in one of those workaholic phases of my life right now. I'm, I've completely neglected the relationship and it, it like the relationship aspect of my life. And I need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. So I, mm-hmm. I appreciate, and I think that's one thing that a lot of, ind- especially independent musicians um, and I was, or that a lot of independent musicians kind of don't pay attention to is their personal relationships. And then I think that's why you see a lot mm-hmm. of the, uh, I, well, I don't, I didn't really want to go this dark, but, uh, like, that's why I think that's why you see a lot of like the drug issues and the mental health mm-hmm. issues because mm-hmm. they go into this state of work, work, work. And then they turn around because they have a bad day and they need to talk to somebody and there's mm-hmm. nobody there because you completely neglected the relationships or the personal mm-hmm. relationships you've used to have. So that, mm-hmm. that was a very, uh, that's a very good point that you brought up about making sure you have nice balance between your personal relationships and your music or your career or your job or whatever you're pursuing. For sure. For sure. Um, um. So I um so to kind of try and bring it right back up and not stay in a dark area for too long. Um <laughs> what you you mentioned that you're a rocker at heart, you love rock music. 
Uh, who are some of your musical influences? Uh, yeah, I get this question a lot, and I always struggle okay. to answer it. I'm someone who listens to maybe like two or three songs from each artist, if that makes sense. Yep. And so some of my influences, they're kind of just across the board. Um, like the Beatles is one, um, Alanis Morissette, Snow Patrol, Alice in Chains. Those are kind of the, oh, Tool. Okay. Um, definitely in terms of my band, Tool is a big one for us. Tool, Muse, Evanescence, and Flyleaf oh, wow. are kind of the big four for our nice. band. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a wide, wide range there. I think one thing I've always kind of avoided doing as an artist though, is comparing myself to other artists. Um, I think <laughs> nowadays sometimes it's, it's easy to turn on the radio and sometimes not even be able to tell who it is that's playing just because mm -hmm. some people sound so similar and so I kind of just like to stick with the fact that, you know, I'm just Alicia. <laughs> Understood. Um, as far as, like, creatively speaking, um, what, what's when you're sitting down to write a song, uh, what's your creative process like? Do you like to write the lyrics first? Do you have a melody? Do you have a like a little riff or like what's your mm -hmm. creative process kind of like when it comes to writing music? Yeah. So I definitely have several, um, I play by ear for the most part. I, I can read piano music. Um, but usually it just kind of flows out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, my first album that was written at when I was 14 and 15 was written in a very interesting way that I've never really, used um since then and so for that album i would literally kind of create scenarios or mm -hmm. characters or situations in my mind and place myself into that role and then write from that perspective and that's why even as a 14 year old i was able to write these really deep songs about heartbreak or um, emotional trauma or things like that, even though it's something that I had not yet gone through. So that's how the first album was written. Um, but generally the lyrics, um, the melody and the piano part will all come to me at the same time. I'll just kind of sit down at a piano and it'll all come out at once. Um, one thing that I've found particularly important in terms of my own writing style is to not put any kind of filter mm -hmm. on what I say in terms of lyrics. Um, sometimes lyrics will flow out of my mouth and I'm not really sure maybe even what they mean or why I'm saying them. But later on, I'll come to almost have a deeper understanding of my own lyrics or find that those lyrics have touched or helped someone in some particular way. Mm -hmm. And so I try not to kind of over edit what I write. If that makes sense, I just kind of write um, what flows from me. Yeah. Um, I've also had experiences where I can hear the whole song in my head before I write it. Particularly sometimes I will wake up really early in the morning or in the middle of the night and I will almost have dreamed, dreamt the mm -hmm. song, if that makes sense. And I'll yep. have to get up and then record it on my phone really quick before the melody leaves me. Um, and then it's just a matter of 
taking what I hear in my head and putting it onto paper, onto the keys per se. Um, But yeah, those are just a a few of my processes there. Nice. I've, I've always been a huge admirer of people that can, uh, that are, uh, play to hear, like they're trained to hear the notes and not necessarily mm-hmm. read the notes. I'm here, like right now I'm currently based out of central Texas and there's a lot of the, what is it called? The red dirt country artists that that's how they were trained. They weren't classically mm-hmm. trained with the music, mm-hmm. but sitting there listening to their dad or their grandfather play the guitar and it's like okay this is a you know this is this chord or this is that chord and just really Mm -hmm. trained to hear the note instead of reading it and it's really Mm -hmm. been interesting because and i've grown a huge respect for people that can do that because i know in my head it's like yeah i can't can't hear the difference like i mean Mm -hmm. you know like i couldn't i wouldn't be able to tell the difference between notes and chords so Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's definitely very different i i was actually a music major for a year Uh and it caused me to look at music in a completely different way i'm typically very flowy with Mm -hmm. what i write and again i don't think about it too much I kind of just write what flows out of my soul I guess you could say but as a music major that's when I was kind of forced to dive into the more classical side of things Mm -hmm. I was required to view music in a very logical and analytical and mathematical way um, and to really look at the structures of things etc Mm -hmm. And (laughs) what's interesting is that that entire school year, I didn't write a single song, not a single song. And I have never had that happen to me before. It was actually kind of scary. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point that I realized this is not the way that I am meant to make music. And I had to stop being a music major and literally unlearn and untrain myself from everything that I had learned over the course of that previous year. And once I was able to unlearn everything, that's when I was able to start creatively flowing again and writing music again. So, um, and are you still in school right now? Are you still attending school or are you graduating? I am. Yeah. I graduate in May. Oh, wow. Um, how are you, how have you been able to kind of balance the schoolwork with your music? and all that fun stuff has it become an issue or is it a lot easier now that you're closer to graduating well so I've always been a perfectionist in terms of not just music but schoolwork as well you know I've always liked to do that kind of straight A student that turns in every assignment that's done perfectly on time and then wants to get on an A you know on everything but you know lately I've been finding that Physically, we just don't have enough hours in the day to do everything that we want to do. And when I kind of weighed what was more important to me, you know, maintaining these perfectionist grades, right, or Mm -hmm. putting more time and effort into my main focus, which is music, you know, music definitely 
trumps that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, I'm not saying that this is the way to go for everyone, but I know for me, music typically falls above everything else. (laughs) My schoolwork, you know, and I I still get, I get enough done. You know, I, I get enough assignments done to the point where, you know, I'm not in any danger or trouble of not failing or anything like that. But, you know, if I have to choose between, you know, composing a piece for someone, especially if I'm going to get paid for it, because, you know, yeah. I mean, that it's my career, you know, mm-hmm. or turning in this, you know, paper about, I don't know, you know, American history. No offense, mm-hmm. I love history, but, yeah. you know, I'm probably going to choose to, to do compo- the music thing first and then put a little bit less time into the paper. So that that's just what works for me. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I totally understand. Um, and you, you said you were a music major. And so I take it that you're not anymore. Correct. Is that, you know, I'm, I, I'm very windy, meaning that I kind of flip back and forth between things a lot. So I went back and forth between being an education major, being a music major, back to an education major. But I didn't, didn't want to be a music education major because okay. I didn't want to just be up there conducting a yeah. band per se. Mm-hmm. I like to be the one making the music. Um, so right now I'm, I'm graduating with a degree that has just a dual emphasis okay. in music and in education. Um, so it's just something that might help me kind of later on down the road. And it definitely does look nice, you know, when I'm giving lessons and things, so people say, hey, you know, like I do have a degree with an emphasis in education Mm-hmm. and in music <laughs> awesome and uh you kind of are you are we talked a, briefly about your band lux um mm-hmm. how did they well how did y'all come together how did the band form what, what was what's the uh the origin story behind the band <laughs> yeah so i had been wanting to start a band again for a while and I'm definitely a night person. So one night it was like, I don't know, 11:30 at night. And I just decided to make some flyers mm. <laughs> to start a band. And I, um, I was in the library mm-hmm. about to print them off. Um, when one of my guitarist friends appeared, um, and I knew that he was definitely, uh, one of my top choices of who I wanted in that band. And so I asked him if he wanted to join and he said, yes. And then I knew who my other member of choice was. Um, and we walked out of the library and he happened to be there <laughs> walking by. So we asked him if he wanted to be in the band. And he said, yes. So before I could even put up the flyers, I got my two top members of choice nice. um, to join within a matter of like an hour or so. Um, and that group is definitely, I would say the most unique group I've been in. Um, and the reason for that being that we rotate instruments with each song. Okay. And sometimes even in the middle of a song, we will like quickly swap instruments and then we also swap lead vocals. So between um, a kind of like skill it does between like a female and a male vocalist, depending on the song. Um, So that's just a really fun group to be in because you're not stuck on one instrument or you're not stuck always doing vocals or never doing vocals. And we just finished recording our first album with a a well-known producer and artist named Ken Stringfellow, who was actually in REM for nine or 10 years. Um, 
He's a founding member of the Posies, who okay. uh, they're kind of a, a grunge group that came out of Seattle along with uh, Nirvana in the oh, 90s. Well. Yeah. Um, he was also in another well-known group called Big Star. Um, so he was our producer oh, wow. on that album. Um, I actually met him when he was playing with the Posies in Boise. Okay. And I just happened to be at their show and I went over to their merch table afterwards and we just started talking and um, ended up forming a connection there. Oh, so that was really cool to be able yeah. to, to work with someone of, of that caliber, mm-hmm. especially when we're based in such a kind of uh, non-music central location, yep. such as Idaho. It just kind of shows that sometimes it doesn't necessarily matter where you're at because um, if you're vigilant you know you can always form some interesting connections there so we're currently getting that mastered and that should be out hopefully within maybe the next couple months or so um and then i'm also working on a solo album as well i don't know if you know anything about that i've seen i've seen a little bit but i'm not too familiar with the uh solo album that you are uh, what what was what's kind of been the process behind writing for the what what's kind of we'll start back a little bit. What's kind of been your process writing for the album? Do you did you have a bunch of songs that you just put together, or do you typically write for an album? Like what kind of what's your what was what is and what was your process for that? Yeah, so this album is definitely different from my past two albums my past two albums have had kind of the full full band you know Mm -hmm. the the drums the guitar and the bass and the piano um but for this album i decided to do something different um and i'm calling it the live sessions Mm -hmm. so essentially it's just gonna be just me and a piano um and i am not using any auto-tune not using a metronome i'm not doing any kind of punch-ins Um, which you probably know what those are. It's, you know, where if you mess up in the middle of a song, you can just start there again, meaning that all of the tracks on the album are done in live, like full takes, you know, even if I mess up, uh, you know, on a note at the very end of the song, like too bad. Like I have to go back and do the whole thing again. Um, that's how we do. That's how we do all of our, like the live sessions that we do mm-hmm. all a hundred percent live, no auto tune, mm-hmm. no, no nothing. Yep. So yep. I know exactly yep. where, where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the, the <laughs> idea behind this album. Um, it's a challenge for me musically mm-hmm. in a very good way um, yep. to be able to do that. And it's very kind of intimate um, it, I, my hope is that it gives people this sense that they're just kind of sitting right next to me while I'm just playing to just them. Um, the songs were written, you know, I'm a senior now. Mm-hmm. The songs that are going on this album have been from my freshman year up until yeah. now. Um, and I'm actually still writing some of them. So oh. there's not necessarily a particular theme there. Lyrically, it's just kind of you know, what, what lyrics came to me, um, at that time, but it will be, I've never done an album where the songs have been written over such a long span of time. Cause four years, you know, that's, that's a good amount of time there to kind of get a variety of songs going. Now that you, now that we've talked about it a little bit, you and I have, we've actually talked about this album because the last time you were in Arizona, we were going to try and figure out a way to, that me and my team could come out there to 
right? Uh, yeah, that was. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. yeah, I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm like, wait, we've had this conversation. Okay, yeah. Um, no, that's I, and you know what? Like the fact that you're doing the album live. I love live albums so much more than the overproduced mm-hmm. like studio albums because. Mm-hmm. I, there, there's been a couple of like live albums that I've heard where something's not supposed to be in there, but it's so makes the make it makes it sound so much more authentic. I guess is the best word I yeah. want to use. Um, yeah. So that, that's really like that's why I'm really drawn to live albums. That's why we push mm-hmm. live albums to the moon, and because. It just gives you a real authentic look as to what somebody's show is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to figure out if you want to go see what a band or a musician is going to sound like live, you need to listen to a live album. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's so true. And yeah, this album, I mean, there are even points where you can, you know, you can hear the pedal going up and down. You can hear mm-hmm. the bench, the piano bench creaking. And so yep. it's kind of interesting to to not take those things out, you know, in post-production. Yep. yep. We, uh, I remember one of our f- uh, first live uh, recordings we did, you could hear the young lady's uh, rosary beads hitting the backside mm-hmm. of her guitar. Mm-hmm. That's cool. We we had to do a second take because it was like, okay, yeah, we're cool with <laughs> a lot of things slipping, but like just having that constant click, 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 that, yeah. that's going to get yeah. annoying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just like all the little imperfections, it's like, okay, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's what makes it perfect. <laughs> yeah. And so we, you also mentioned that the – the band Lux is also releasing an album or in the process of releasing or getting ready to release an album. I'll get the words out right eventually. Um, <laughs> uh, what's, what's kind of the creative process with the band? Like who, like, is it everybody a writer or is it like one person's really good at writing lyrics? The other person is really good at coming up with like chord progressions and all, uh, all like a tune and a melody um mm-hmm. what's what's the uh creative process like in the band yeah so this band is really unique for me in the sense that i would say all three of us have an equal third of a role in the group mm-hmm. um i had always been in groups where i was kind of the leader particularly in terms of writing um, but in this group each member really has a lot of skill in that area oh yeah and so Typically, how we will write it is someone will bring in kind of a skeleton of a song, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. kind of like the bones of it or the, the bird, structure yeah. of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll show it to the other members. And then from there, the other two will just kind of add their stuff on top of it. And then we'll go through and start tweaking sections, maybe adding sections, taking sections out. Mm-hmm. Um Typically, the the one who's right, well, we all write lyrics as well, which is mm-hmm. nice. Um, but I would say probably the song that we all agree is kind of like our main powerhouse song, maybe our best song, if you want to think of it that way, mm-hmm. um, is one called Luce Eterna, 
um, which means light eternal in Latin. And Lux means light in Latin, which is why uh, one of the reasons why we chose that name. Um, but the reason why I think that this song in particular is maybe our strongest is because it's the one song where I think we all kind of had the most equal share in terms of writing. Mm -hmm. um, I did bring in kind of the structure for that one. Um, but we really spent a lot of time just as a group writing and adding to that one. And it ended up being this big kind of three movement, 15 minute long piece. Oh, wow. um, that's typically what we end our concerts with. It's just, it's a very kind of powerful song. Again, it has some Latin lyrics in it. Um, there's like a crazy guitar solo. There's all this crazy piano work in it. Um, you know, I'll kind of turn around and play the piano backwards or play the piano while I'm sitting on the ground. Um, it's just a really fun, fun, crazy piece. Um, so I'll have to link you to a, to a video of that one. That's <laughs> a, that definitely sounds like a blast. Definitely something you want to see live. De yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so uh, what, what's um, one thing we really like to do, especially with the new podcast format that we're doing, like with the jam session podcast, which is what this interview will be placed into on the uh, second, second half of the uh, podcast um, is we really like bringing value to musicians and we really want to make sure that we're cultivating a, the young musicians to not mm -hmm. to make sure that they're not necessarily doing things right, but they don't make stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. Like if, if that makes sense. Um, so mm -hmm. like making sure that they're coming in for the right reasons. Cause you know, a lot of musicians, they start playing music cause they think they're going to get rich and make a lot of money. And mm -hmm. we all know that's not, it's mm -hmm. not how it always works. Um, so we really just want to try and make sure that uh, we're honest with musicians, but also give them some words of encouragement. So that's kind of what the next few questions slash minutes are going to be about. Um, what kind of advice do you have for younger musicians? You being a younger musician yourself, but you have a lot of experience, which I think younger musicians can really relate and respect what or have a lot of respect for so i'm just kind of curious what advice you have for younger musicians mm -hmm. um well i definitely like that you brought up <laughs> the idea that sometimes people get into it just because they think they're going to become rich and famous mm -hmm. um but the majority of the time that is not what happens and so i think just like with any passion or art form or career path, um, it's good to just kind of take some time and meditate on why you're actually making music. Mm -hmm. um, for me personally, one of the reasons is just kind of to help people. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that music really is kind of its own language. And I think it's interesting that you can have people from across the entire globe who all speak different cultural languages um, but they can all listen to some kind of instrumental song per se and get the same emotion from that or the yeah. same feeling from that. You know, people can come together in a drum circle and everyone in that circle can be from a totally different country mm -hmm. and speak a different language, but somehow they can 
have a conversation through music. Um, Jazz is particularly good with that because you kind of have these musical conversations back and forth when you're soloing with people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's just a big one is realizing like where your heart is at, because Mm -hmm. if your heart is not in the right place to begin with, it's not going to matter how many people listen to your music or how much money you have, because deep down, they're never going to be truly happy. Um, so you, you need a deeper reason for doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other big one, which I already touched on earlier, is never, ever, ever put music above the people, yep. ever. Yep. You know, the order of things is people, then music, you know, and that goes for family in particular, but also just uh, people in general. You know, never throw someone under the bus for the sake of, career gain yep. um, because in the end it, it's the people that are really going to matter yep. so those are kind of my my words of wisdom there <laughs> yep. and you, the one thing I want to kind of uh, jump off from there is you never know who you're going to work for tomorrow the person that mm-hmm. was working for you yesterday may be your boss tomorrow and yep yep I, that's definitely something a lot of people that have been around the block a time or two can tell you, you never know who you're going to work for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so don't burn yeah. those bridges, keep those bridges intact as much as possible. I know mm-hmm. it's not always yeah, possible, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what was the best piece of advice you've ever received from a mentor? Ooh. I'm going to think about that one for a minute. If we can, I, so, yeah, there's, there's one that comes to mind. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I'm someone that has definitely gone through a lot of changes mm-hmm. over the course of my life. Um, different changes just in terms of beliefs and genres and the way that I write music and, uh, just kind of a lot of interchanges, if that makes mm. sense, as I yep. think we all go through. Yep. Um, and so I, I went through a point in time where I stepped away from music um, and I, I literally took down all of my music stuff. Um, I took all my music off of like Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music. Um, you know, I got rid of my Twitter and my Facebook and everything. Um, and I felt the need to kind of completely start fresh mm-hmm. once I did get back into music. Um, and because I was definitely at a different place than I was when I put out my first album and even my second album, in some ways I wasn't sure if I should re-release those again. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if I still believe all those things. Because again, you know, I was in a totally different season when I was writing those albums. Yep. Um, and so I kind of just kept them in a box. I, I would always feel the need to like go back and get rid of old songs of mine as I would write new songs that would maybe uh, speak something else, if that makes sense. I felt like maybe those old songs weren't, uh, quote, truthful enough anymore, something to that extent, because it's not something that I currently and someone said to me you know they said Alicia they said like what you have to understand actually a couple people said this to me they said is that each album that you release 
was a snapshot of where you were at at that particular time. Mm. And in order for people to actually be able to see and hear your full journey through music, like it, it's necessary to keep those older albums out there. Yeah. Um, and so I, that, that was just some really good advice for me. Um, to be able to just re-release those old albums and realize that those albums were part of my story. And I think like to any artist out there that feels the need to kind of keep going back and and editing their past work, like don't, don't do that, (laughs) you know, because again, that is a snapshot of where you were at at that time. Like that's part of your story. So keep it. (laughs) Nice. And that's very, that's something that you, you hear a lot about, musicians that are catching flack for something they said in an old song but they don't necessarily believe or think that way anymore exactly and so so i we don't usually like going like super political on this podcast but uh it like i i think the pc culture that we're currently in has a lot to do with that I, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, it's music. Music's not always supposed to be perfect, and I think that's mm-hmm. why I've been drawn to music the way I have to really help. You know, just yeah. the imperfections within it. Um, mm-hmm. So, what's the? You're you're currently in Idaho. What what's the? Um, you'd mentioned that it's not a huge music. There's not a, it's not a huge like music scene out there, but what's the, what is the scene like in Idaho or Boise in, or where you're at in general? Yeah. So in Boise, it's definitely growing even in the past (laughs) three and a half years since I've been here, I've seen it expand. Um, there's a, a huge, huge, huge music, five-day music festival up mm-hmm. here every March called Treefort Music Fest. Um, mm-hmm. My band actually got to play that last year, and that was really cool. It's uh, usually about four or 500 bands from around the world mm-hmm. um, that come and play at that, and there's, mm-hmm. just, there's thousands of people yeah. at that festival. Like all of, you know, downtown Boise gets closed yep. off for that, and it's, it's really incredible. So I think that 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 is definitely something that Boise has going for it. Yep. Um, I actually, I, think, I was actually introduced to the tree fort music festival through a band from Albuquerque called prism bitch. I think is, I, I've heard of them. I've yeah, actually heard of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're headlining this year. I think they're oh, headlining nice, yeah. this year's festival. Um, mm-hmm. And they played it last year, and when they posted it on their Facebook, I was like, "Oh, what is this cool thing?" And yeah, so sorry, mm-hmm. to it's really though. cool. Yeah, but, yeah, and so I think that uh, Boise is kind of gaining gaining some ground there, especially because Portland was originally mm-hmm. viewed as kind of like the big northwest area for music mm-hmm. festivals, but mm-hmm. but Tree Fort is really a big contender in that. Um, and I think my favorite thing about the Boise music scene in particular is because it's not a huge city, mm-hmm. there's a lot of just really good community that yeah. goes on. It's, it's kind of one of those places where if you're in the music scene in Boise, you most likely know just about every band yep. that exists in the city. And I think that that's really great because 
whenever you get thrown on a bill for a club or whatever, you yeah. usually know the other bands that are playing with you. People are super supportive here, yeah, which I really like. Um, there's just kind of that uh, almost small town collectivist vibe to the music scene, and it's not it's not maybe as competitive as mm -hmm. some of the bigger places like Nashville would be. It's more like, hey, you know, we just want to like support each other and have fun. There's definitely a vibe here of just like people just make music literally just for the fun and enjoyment of it. And I think that that's, that's a really nice thing. Yeah. And actually that's something that I noticed uh, about nine months ago, I was actually looking to move to Boise because the, uh, where I work at now, the, uh, the, ma the major company that owns us, they have a branch in Boise and they had an opportunity for me to transfer there. And mm -hmm. so as I was kind of going through the interview process and talking to everybody there, I was like, well, doing this live and amplified thing. So let me see what the music scene is like, because that's something that I have to look into now. And mm -hmm. like within, I, so I joined the Boise music scene, Facebook page mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I just posted a, like a general, like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm looking to move to Boise. I'm going, this is kind of where I'm at and just kind of want to get a feel for the music scene. And within 24 hours, I had about 40 some odd people hit me up and say, Hey, wow. If, if you end up making it to town, hit me up. I work here or hit me up. I have this studio, you know, it was just really, really cool. Nothing that I'd ever seen before where it was like, Hey, so like, I guess I have like a venue that like if I ever make it to Boise to do live and amplified stuff, I have like a venue I could go use. Like, I mean, that was nine yeah. months ago. So I'm sure it, it would be like, Hey, it would be a really weird conversation to have, but I'm sure I've kept in contact with a lot of these people. And like that, that was really cool about the Boise scene. Just this guy posting a random <laughs> random post on a Facebook group and they're like oh yeah like if when you come to town let us know and we'd be more than happy yeah. to and we'll get you in contact with all the bands and all that stuff and I'm pretty sure that's how you and I got introduced initially mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that, yeah that's great people help each other out here more than anywhere else that I've lived particularly or been I guess <laughs> yeah. um, from what I've seen yeah, understood. So what's the, we, we've been talking about a lot of the stuff that you've done so far and all the cool, cool stuff your career has brought you, but what's next? Where do you see yourself going? Where do you want to take your music? You know, what's the overall overarching goal? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my number one career goal is honestly just to be able to make music full time for mm -hmm. a living, um, you know, to not have to have that, you know, extra nine to five day job that takes yep. three quarters of my time away from what I could be spending on what I feel is kind of my true calling in terms of the field mm -hmm. that I work in. Um, 
I'm a very free spirit in the sense that I don't like to just kind of be tied down to one place for too long. So after I graduate in May, I'm honestly really free to kind of be wherever I want to be mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever I want to be there. You know, yeah. I've always kind of had this desire to, you know, live out of a VW bus or something like that, you know, yeah. and just be able to, to, to travel around. Um, and make music without having to pay pay for hotels every night and things like that. Um, so once I graduate, I think I'm probably going to go back down to Arizona, which is kind of, you know, my, my first home base there, yep. and then kind of figure out what I'm doing from there. Um, I would love to just start touring more in general. I really lately have come to appreciate smaller shows like house shows. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more in a way than kind of the big shows where you're up on a stage because again, like there's a type of connection that you can have with people that you don't get when you're, you know, up in this big spotlight, you know, five feet above everyone else. Um, And so I think it'd be really fun to kind of just do a big tour that involves friends and house shows and just kind of go around the country and, places at people's houses um, mm-hmm. or businesses of, of people who I've connected with over the years. Um, right. So that's kind of like a, a shorter term goal of mine, but I'm just really excited that I can really, again, go wherever I want to go, be where I want to, yeah. where I want to be, you know, starting yeah. in May. So, yeah. Is there um, any city state venue that you're really like, that would be like the bucket list, place to go play um i think for my band in particular um the knitting factory okay and boise is one that we'd really love to play it's it's one of the bigger venues that the touring bands um come and play at um Mm -hmm. but local bands do get the opportunity to play at that now and again um, there's another one in Boise here called Death Proof Coffee. Okay. Um, this place is really interesting. It's essentially like a giant warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a coffee shop slash music venue. It's kind of like this secret hidden gem that not a lot of people know about. Oh, wow. And it, it has just probably, other than the Knitting Factory, it has probably the best stage <laughs> in the treasure valley it's just this amazing stage with all these like lights and effects and that one would be really fun to play mm. as well um in terms of a solo artist i'm not really sure if i have a particular venue in mind again just because as a solo artist i tend to veer towards those more intimate shows like house yeah. shows that's just what i what i enjoy i like to be able to just sit at a real piano um and maybe not even use a mic if I don't have to mm-hmm. to kind of give that intimate personal connection to things. Gotcha. What was it? Uh, you'd kind of talked about this it, uh, earlier on in the, uh, in the podcast. Uh, what was it about the piano that drew you to it? Mm. Yeah. Well, like I said, when I was like a little baby, I had, a teeny tiny little toy piano. Mm -hmm. And that's just what someone had happened to buy me Mm -hmm. as a little gift. And so I think that because that's the first instrument I had ever played, that's maybe just what I already naturally veered towards. But again, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that my mom 
bought a piano, an actual mm. piano. And again, yeah. it's just that's that's what happened to be there. Yeah. I had already had experience playing on a little tiny rainbow toy piano. Yep. And so the fact that it was just there, uh, it really drew me in. But it was to the point where I was little where I literally could not could not walk past the piano Mm -hmm. like I could not physically walk past it without stopping and playing it for at least a couple of minutes and I remember when I when I first started taking lessons uh when I was five we went to Disneyland and my Mm -hmm. mom said literally throughout the whole Disneyland trip I was just practicing playing piano while I was holding her hand she could feel my fingers moving and that's how kind of invested I was in it I think to this day, one of my favorite things about it is the fact that, A, you can sing while playing it because, of mm. course, wind instruments or even things like violin, sometimes it's it's not as easy to sing while playing it. Wind instruments, yeah. you just can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think my all-time favorite thing about the piano is just the amount of emotion that you can get out of it, oh, wow. particularly a real piano, which is why uh, we're only using real pianos for that new live album of mine mm-hmm. um, just because you have such like intense, heavy lows, mm-hmm. but then you also have these beautiful light highs on the piano. There's such a, a wide range. You can do so much in terms of dynamics. And it's, I think out of all of the solo instruments, it's the instrument that sounds most full by itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it's just the emotion for me. It's a very emotional instrument. And not to get it misunderstood, you're you play multiple instruments, correct? You, mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how yeah. did you? At what point did you start exploring your instrument playing abilities and start experimenting with different instruments? Yeah. So start with piano. Um, in fourth grade, you know, everyone has to learn the recorder (laughs) in Mm -hmm. elementary school. That was fun. Um, in fifth grade, we actually got to learn the guitar. So that's what opened that up for me. Um, I took some guitar lessons and then also in fifth grade, I had the option to join orchestra. So I decided to play violin, but I also had the option to join band and I decided to play saxophone. Um, violin wasn't really my thing just because. I prefer instruments to have that lower end to them. Violin's mm. a little high for me. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't stick with violin, but saxophone in particular, I've now been playing for, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm 24. I've been playing it since I was in fifth grade. I'm oh, almost wow. 25. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's been a really long time. Yeah. Um, so I play uh, three different saxophones. Um, I still play that in concert band to this day. So that's, that's definitely my second instrument in terms of, my primary instrument and then bass just kind of came about um over the years of of being in bands I just Mm. decided to to pick up the bass and and my first group that I've you know kind of played bass in full-time is Lux okay um but it pushed me to really improve very quickly (laughs) on the instrument um so that that probably comes in third place now in terms of of my order of of primary instruments so those are kind of those are kind of my main ones. I mean, I've I've dabbled in other ones just for fun, like clarinet or whatever. But just to yeah. kind of change it up, just to kind of change it up a little bit. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. just for fun, just for yeah. fun. Okay. Um, what, where, or um, 
what's the well let me let me just kind of ask this question i kind of have a feeling i know what the answer is going to be but it's uh it's a question we like to ask musicians it's kind of become our um hallmark hallmark question so to speak but Mm. why music (laughs) i think i just can't stay away from music (laughs) i could never stay away from music and it just it has always seemed to be kind of like a part of who i am Mm -hmm. (laughs) again even even when i i stepped away from music for years um of course what did i do i ended up coming back to music and it's crazy because for again as kind of a windy person as i am meaning i sometimes i don't stick with things for very long i kind of go here and there and everywhere music has really been one of the only things that i have continually through the course of my entire life you know gone back to over and over and over again so (laughs) gotcha that's perfect that's that's perfect um so you've been playing you've been recording music for a good part of your life at this point one thing i'm always very curious about is how has your music changed from when you first started Mm -hmm. record from your first album up until now Yeah, that's a really good question. It has changed a lot. Um, And I think that's been one of my favorite things about re-releasing these old albums. I've been re-releasing my music in chronological order, Mm -hmm. and it's just fun to hear the progression there. Um, For me, I'd say the main change that has occurred has been just in terms of my lyrics. Um, Again, when I put out that first album, I didn't really know what I was writing, Um, I just kind of placed myself in a situation and wrote from that perspective. Um, My second album for me was kind of an album that came out uh, really at the kind of peak of what I would call maybe my like faith journey. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went from kind of like a non, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe non-religious album, you know, was my first one. Second one was definitely a faith-based album. Now the third one um, is back opening up to like a wider perspective. Okay. Again. Um, So it was kind of like I had a wide perspective and had more of maybe like a uh, less wide (laughs) perspective per se in terms of lyrics. And now I'm back to, a wider perspective again. So it's really for me in lyrics and just kind of being able to um, hear how I've progressed and changed in terms of my beliefs, how I view myself, how I view the world around me, um, Mm -hmm. how I view spirituality, how I view other people, how I view love and relationships. Um, So it's really, it's really the lyrics for me in terms of musicality. Um, I'm still pretty similar in terms of my, my piano playing and the style that I play and I sing in. Um, I will say though, I think that over the past while I've gained a little bit more of a jazz influence just in the way I play piano and in the way that I 
sing. Um, my freshman year, I was the lead singer of a jazz combo. Okay. And that's what kind of really opened that up for me. Um, and I'm also taking jazz piano lessons right now as well. So that's just kind of a new genre that has been added to my um, my sounds there. Um, how is the uh, band really challenged your solo career as like changing? How is it? How has the band influenced you musically for your solo career? Yeah, that's mm. that's the way I wanted to work. Um, yeah, I think what it's done for my solo career is given me more appreciation mm-hmm. for again the, the type of creative freedom sometimes that, that comes with just being able to go into a practice room by myself, sit down at a piano, and then two hours later come out with a finished song. Um, it gives me appreciation for how quickly sometimes solo artists can progress mm. because you're not trying to get everyone on the same page with every decision that's made. You can just kind of keep going, going, going um, when you have opportunities that arise, etc. cetera. Um, and then also I will say that it has helped me realize that even, again, even as a solo artist, I never want to feel like I'm alone in what I do. After being in, in a band with people who I'm so close with, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of fully understand what it means to be a part of a team and to have that support system around me because as a solo artist, you know, a lot of times I think some people are kind of facing those lows by themselves yep. and even when they're hitting a high, it's not as enjoyable because they're doing it alone, right? There's no one to share mm-hmm. in that joy with them. Yep. Um, and so it's kind of inspired me to get my backing band back together. Back in Arizona, I used to play the majority of my shows with a backing band so that it would sound like how it did on my CDs. And so literally just within the last, like probably three weeks, I actually just put together a new backing band for up here in Idaho. Um, and so we have a show um, in Boise uh, in just about a week and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just fun because again, I just, I always enjoy playing with other people more than by myself for the most part. So. Nice. Um, and so how are you, you've got some, or you just said that you had a show coming up in Boise. How often dealing with school and all that stuff, do you get a, the opportunity to kind of venture outside of Boise for the week, like doing, is it mainly like just, would it be just like short weekend runs somewhere or how often do you get to kind of tour out, do like a little run somewhere? Yeah, not super often, really the only out of state stuff. Well, with, with like my school groups, I'm mm-hmm. constantly, constantly traveling with those. We go, um, I've, I've gone a lot of places with the school groups, but in terms yeah. of my own groups, um, the only out of state stuff we've really done is just Lux went on a spring break tour okay. last year. And again, that's just because we had that break in school that allowed mm. us to do that. Um, and that was really fun just to nice. have that tour experience with nice. my band. But again, that's, that's why I'm really looking forward to being done with school in May because I, I have that freedom again to kind of yeah. just go where the wind takes me. Yeah. Where did you guys go on the uh, spring break tour? 
Um, so we started in Boise with okay. Tree Fort. Yep. Um, we went to the Tri-Cities. We went to Portland. That was actually the first time I had ever been to Portland. Uh, we went to Yakima. Um, we actually played at a really cool record store there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it was just a pretty short short okay. tour, um, yeah. especially because it was our first one as a group. We were kind of testing the waters with that. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just a super fun experience, and yeah. it was nice to be able to just meet a lot of really cool people along the way. And some of those people, you know, we're, we're still in contact with today and might end up playing some future shows with. Awesome. That's always good. And yeah. that circles right back to making sure you stay in the good graces and don't burn those mm-hmm. bridges. Mm-hmm, uh, for sure. So uh, it's, it's really cool that you got to go up to Washington because that's always one place that, like, whenever we come up, when we came up that way last summer, we went up to uh, Columbia Falls, Montana, and worked mm-hmm. with some musicians up there. And uh, we really wanted to go up to Washington, but then I tend to forget how spread out the Pacific Northwest is. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, we'll be in Montana. It's not that far. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so. Um, but as we kind of uh, wrap this up, because I, I'm sure you're tired. It's a, been a <laughs> long day and all that stuff. Um, what's kind of your show schedule like moving forward uh, for the for you as a solo act for the band? Uh, what's your show show schedule looking like? Yeah. So right now, um, because I'm focused on putting out an album as a solo artist, and mm-hmm. then of course an album with my band. Um, we've just kind of been in studio mode okay. um, and have kind of taken a step back away from as many live shows for the moment. Um, but again, I do have a show coming up on Saturday, March 7th at the Boise Hive. If you just type in Boise Hive on Google, you will find it. It's actually um, a very, very cool venue that I'm really passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nonprofit and the purpose of the Boise Hive is particularly to provide um, a sober space for musicians to rehearse and to perform because um, that is difficult to find sometimes. Um, and uh, particularly for people who are, um, you know, who are coming back from um, alcoholism, things like that. Yeah. Um, that just allows them a safe place to be able to continue playing music versus at bars or something like that. Yeah. Um, and they also provide lots of like uh, mental health and counseling service yeah. services for musicians as well, which is a big one because again, I think you know sometimes people feel alone. They're not actually alone. They just feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a resource like that for musicians in particular um, is just a really really great thing for our that's, community. That's really awesome. I did. Mm-hmm. I think when I was. Uh, originally exploring the opportunity of coming up there. I uh, I learned about, I had heard about the Hive, but I didn't know that they had all that going on. And that's really admirable. Mm-hmm. At, that sounds Great. a really awesome place because just like 
be in that place that looks out for musicians like that are recovering from something that are going through mm-hmm. something you know it, that is really awesome and I'm, mm-hmm. there, there needs to be more places like that around mm-hmm. it's amazing it really is um and then where can uh people find you on social media to stay up to date on the release of the band's album your solo album any upcoming shows and all that fun stuff yeah so um my personal music can be found at aliciaperu.com that's spelled a-l-i-s-h-a and then p-e-r-u like the country peru dot com um and on there you'll also find links to all of my social media too i have facebook and twitter and instagram and youtube Um, my stuff is also on spotify um, and all the different various streaming sites on there so if you just search alicia pru you will find those um lux we are most active on facebook and on instagram Mm -hmm. and the hashtags for that is going to be um we are lux official so that's w-e-a-r-e-l-u-x and then official this is all one one word um and then you can kind of keep up on like you said uh, the new album that should be coming out soon here perfect um, I, w- I just want to thank you again so much for giving me this opportunity. I've had a blast sitting here talking with you, and I'm glad we finally got an opportunity to get you involved with Live and Amplified some way. I know we'll get together and we'll get you on a jam session or a live session, and it's going to be awesome. Um, and I, I just really want to thank you because I absolutely love sitting here talking to musicians and find like just picking their brains. Pick, yeah. learn, learning more about stuff that I have no knowledge and how to do playing music mainly and <laughs> just learning how you got or learning how musicians tick and how they think and how they create it's just very fascinating to me and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity or for you really opening up and just kind of talking about your creative process thank you yeah thank you so much and thank you for having me and thank you just for all the work that you do I see all the stuff that you do on live and amplified and I'm always kind of blown away and inspired just by um, how much you help help out you know the musicians that are out there just trying to trying to make it work so thank you so much for that and i hope that you have an awesome rest of your night yep you as well and really appreciate it thank you for all the kind words and thank you everybody for listening we will see you guys next time